What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. You're dead meat! Go ahead and laugh, you guys. If I ever find a little bastard, it's business. Dead meat. Welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, an extension of the YouTube channel Dead Meat. I'm James. I'm Chelsea, and we're engaged, and we like to get scared together. Hey, you're back this week. Oh, yeah. I wasn't here last week. Yeah, it got a little too classy here last week, so we're doing the fanatic. <laughs> Dude, the fanatic. The fanatic. If you're not aware, it came out this year, the year of our Lord 2019. <laughs> And it's a horror film question mark. Is it a horror? I mean, I it's, there's a lot of references to horror in yeah. it, so we can get away with reviewing it for the podcast. But mm-hmm. Like so, when Maniacs get name-dropped. Both in, the original and the remake. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, direct, er, okay, so we'll save director for last. Starring <laughs> John Travolta and Devin Sawa. Yep. Directed by Fred Durst. Yeah. Yeah, that Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit. And James and I kind of love Limp Biscuit. Yeah. I will say for me it started ironically. But there's like that, you know that Kurt Vonnegut quote about I think it's from Mother Night about be careful what you pretend to be, because you'll that... become that thing. Yeah. I think that happened. Really? Yeah. Yeah, for me it was We were listen we were literally listening to Limp Biscuit earlier. Yeah, I mean to pump myself up for this podcast. Yeah. I put on I actually put on their uh two thousand three album, which I'd never really listened to, just to see what I was missing out on the biscuit mm-hmm. uh after their uh masterpiece, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, which yeah. I believe was their third full length album. That's one of the weird album cover, right? The like the weird little like Oh, like critters. the weird little alien thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause uh there was three dollar bill, y'all and then Significant Other, and then Chocolate Starfish. Okay. And that was the extent of my Limp Biscuit listening. Uh, I think those were Fred Durst's best years, probably, mm-hmm. which was very, it was from like 99 to 2001. Yeah. Very short time. Yeah. Because then that, that 2003 album that I had put on, can't even remember the title of it, I, the singles didn't really Did we chart. really only have them for just like that blip of time? I think Faith came out in 97, I love, maybe. I love their cover. I love that cover I think of it's Faith. good. I want to play it at our wedding. Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, great. By the, yeah, oh, go ahead. Yeah, because like Faith started to get them on the scene, but then Significant Other was when they broke through with Nookie and Break Stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that was maybe 98, maybe 99. So yeah, it was a very short time because yeah, like I said, that 2003 album didn't produce any... Uh, big singles except for Behind Blue Eyes, which I didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they went on hiatus for a while, and Fred Durst apparently started to direct. Yeah, he's done other stuff besides this. I don't know where. It, it's weird. I knew that he had done other stuff, but for some reason I just deleted that information. <laughs> and to me, this was a I'm just going to make a weird movie thing. But no, he's done other movies, although. There was one in 2007, one in 2008. He did one with it's it's ice uh ice cube, right? Yep. Yeah. What's it called? Uh I it's don't like long shots or something. Something and then uh the other one was like the was it the education of some of Charlie Kirk with okay. uh Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. So- Jesse Eisenberg before Social Network, Network and yeah. Zombie Land. So back when you could get Jesse Eisenberg. It was the education of Charlie Banks in 2007, the long shots in or Charlie Banks. Charlie Kirk is like a conservative commentator, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was all he did. And then I guess Limp Bizkit got back together in 2009 
put his directing duties on hold for a while until 11 years later, The Fanatic The Fanatic came out. Yeah. He doesn't have a directorial style. Because... The direction is not the worst part of this Well, movie. I'm just saying if you look at his work, yeah. you would never guess that these were all done by the same person. Sure, because Charlie Banks is what, a drama film, Wikipedia it's says? It's a coming-of-age movie. And then Long Shots is a comedy-drama It looks like a father-daughter comedy. Mm-hmm. And then we have this. He also did an eHarmony commercial in 2014. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> we should find that. Do commercial work if you can get it. Pays sure. very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the fanatic... Uh, what to say about it? If you were on Twitter when this trailer came out, it was like Christmas because I feel like this movie was made for us a little bit or at least was made. You know, yeah. how, you know how sometimes you feel like your phone is listening to you and <laughs> yeah. your algorithm just get this was like, is Fred Durst spying on us? Does he know that we wanted exactly this movie? I mean, it's got Devin, Devin Sawa on it, who we yeah. love on the podcast. I hope to have be a guest on the podcast one That'd day. That'd be great. He's looking fantastic Dude, in this he movie. Looks good. he looks better than he's ever mm-hmm. looked. I, and I told him as such when we met him this year mm-hmm. at Monsterpalooza or some of Monsterpalooza. Yeah. One of the Paloozas. Yeah. Uh, went and got a picture of Stan signed. Is that hanging up somewhere? I don't think we bought a frame for it yet. Okay. So, yeah, we got a picture. It's a still from the Eminem music video for Stan because... Devin Sawa plays Stan, obviously, and yeah. he signed it. And then we chatted for a while, and we said that we had seen the trailer for The Fanatic and we're really looking forward to seeing it. And he kind of laughed and was like, it's a good one to drink some beers. Today. Yeah, he was very self-aware and funny about it. He's great. He's very self-effacing. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked how it felt to be the origin of <laughs> one of the biggest slang terms on the internet. And yeah. Yeah. He was I, like, I'm just happy to be a part of it. But really, it was due to Eminem's genius. Yeah, he, like, yeah. due to the great Eminem. Marshall Mathers. Yeah. yeah. He also, when uh, the last thing I said to him as we were leaving was like, dude, you look really good. Because like, he's, he does. he's he fucking looks ripped. Good. And a lot I, of us watching this movie was us just like, I mean, he's a giant thirst trap. <laughs> yeah. Well, he looks like fucking Daniel Craig in this he movie. He does, yeah. Uh, but yeah, when I told him that in person, he immediately understood what I was saying. Because it's, it's like the... It's two guys who work out being like, dude, nice gains. And yeah. he was like, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, man. Oh, come be on the podcast. Be- <laughs> it would just be us fawning over you. We have like nothing bad to say about him in this. Yeah. He's probably he- my favorite part. Yeah. He's really fact, good. It- I honestly want to see him in more like, I want to, you know, g- give him some heavy lifting to do and some stuff. He's good. Yeah, I uh in fact one of my complaints about this movie is that there's not more of him. Yeah, it's same. Very John Travolta heavy. Yes, it is. And so I guess we should discuss his character Moose. All right. So this the plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. If you somehow weren't exposed to this thing, if your <laughs> if your internet algorithm didn't push this onto your feeds like it did ours, uh this is about a it's kind of a, mi- not misery, it's like an obsessive fan type situation. Devin Sawa plays this, I I can't quite tell what level of famous he is. It's weird because he's an actor, yes, as we see in some films, but also in his house, he has awards for best monster makeup and best stunts. 
Those oh, are, I didn't see though. I th- think I was writing and didn't notice that he had monster makeup. Yeah, really. those are different jobs. The those actor very different doesn't jobs. get the award for best makeup, and they're probably in most cases not doing their own stunts. Although maybe Devin did he Sawa... just buy those off Hollywood Boulevard? Because if you're on Hollywood, which most of this movie takes place literally on Hollywood Boulevard, oh, man, there's so all those much. stores you can buy fake Oscars from, and they yeah. can, they'll say literally anything on them. Maybe just bought some of those <laughs> to like fill out the empty spaces in his trophy shelf so Devin Sawa is an actor question mark who does a lot of <laughs> horror movies and John Travolta plays Moose who is an obsessed fan of Hun- is it Hunter Duncan Hunter Dunbar Hunter Dunbar that, that is Devin Sawa's Devin character, Sawa's character. Uh, boy, where to start? So, well, let's start with the fact that Moose is autistic. Moose is autistic. And I think uh, John Travolta has said in interviews that I mean, this character is written and played that way. Yes. He is supposed to be autistic. Um, So it sucks because there's, there's two halves of this for me. Mm-hmm. One half is watching John Travolta play this role is objectively hilarious to me. <laughs> The haircut, the everything, because it's John Travolta. But the other half of it is, this movie's mean. It is. This movie's mean, and this character, I can see if you're watching this and you are familiar with autism or you or someone you know is autistic, this movie would be hurtful. And I don't know. Yeah, it's really hard to talk about because, especially as people with fans, like we've met tons of fans. They're all awesome. Uh, On the very rare occasion, you get someone who maybe isn't as good with social boundaries as other people. No, but I have never felt unsafe. Definitely not. Yeah, I've never felt unsafe. Uh, but, But like, you know, so like the kernel of his character has some truth to it but then the movie makes him a villain right and it's it's weird especially with the ending and how graphic things get i'm just not sure and again uh, (laughs) i don't think that okay let me preface i don't think that movies necessarily have to have an obvious message to them yeah if you don't want i don't think every movie you should be able to leave and automatically know what it's saying or know what it's trying to do. Mm -hmm. I think there are totally films where you can watch them and just, you know, what the fuck did I just watch? And if you never figure out what the director's or writer's intent was, that's fine. I don't think this is operating on that level of artistry though. And I'm so, I'm so curious, like what is it trying to, to say? And I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going on here. You know, like, what is this really about? I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know if I could tell you what the the main through line of it is. I mean, I guess the through line is this is a horror story that sh- explores what happens when obsessive fandom becomes dangerous. Right. But then you, you mix in the autism part. That's what it gets we, real. Because there are totally and other things have done it well that's why i brought up misery is like the big one where there are ways to explore toxic fandom Mm -hmm. and which is the demands we place on creators and artists and the entitlement or feeling like you're friends with someone even though 
Yeah, it's, which are all very worthy things to explore. Especially like it, it was being explored in Misery, but nowadays with like you know online stars and yeah. like and uh, fan culture just being so mainstream now. I think that that's like ripe for a horror movie. Is Definitely. that kind of like you know YouTuber audience relationship yeah um especially where we're not like vloggers like we don't really do we don't talk about our personal lives but someone who really opens up and their entire personal life is out there that line between someone you're watching and someone you kind of think you're friends with gets really blurred and Mm -hmm. i don't know so like there's there's something to do there but like this is not this this feels kind of like a a rant about fans that have been weird to Fred Durst or even John Travolta. It just feels like a, uh, yeah, I don't know, like a manifesto about fans that creep them out, and it's weird. Yeah, it's it's weird. There's man. The, and they this movie does not draw the line between fans that are maybe awkward and have trouble discerning those boundaries, and fans that are legitimately dangerous. Because mm-hmm. I think it's important to separate those into two different categories. Because just just because someone is socially awkward or is on the spectrum doesn't mean they're dangerous. For sure. And so that's of why course, most um, of the time they're not. And because I, I still do want to want to do a, a goof around with this movie because it is legitimately so fucking weird and it's hilarious. So and weird. John Travolta's first line is about needing to poop. Great. Love it. <laughs> like there's so much funny about it, but I think we should talk about the serious stuff before we get into the, the fun so that we're, we're all a hundred percent on the same page that we are not making fun of the, the things depicted here, I'm making fun of the fact that John Travolta has a haircut that is like shaved above and around his ears. <laughs> it's just, it's John Travolta being this character versus who that character actually is, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I, so I actually messaged and we, we delayed the podcast a bit this week because my mom was in town. I got a wedding dress. Yeah. Uh, we we're doing wedding stuff, but um, so I, I said yes to a dress. <laughs> so exciting. Uh, but because I delayed the podcast, I realized, oh, if I have like an extra day or whatever to do this, this might give my sister some time to watch this movie. And mm-hmm. my sister, she works with autistic kids. I've talked about her before. Um, she sent me her like official job title because I'm just like, what is like, what is your actual job? I just always say like, a, you know, vaguely like works with autistic kids. Yeah. And um, she does ABA therapy, um, which is applied behavior analysis, and she's going to get her master's in it. So, um, yeah, she's like a behavior tech person. Uh, So just to specify. But so she works with autistic kids and she loves it. It's something she's really, really passionate about. And so I... I thought, oh, I could have Rachel watch this movie and maybe... Did you give her a warning that it was... She knows. She knows it's going to be a horror movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she was simultaneously, like, blown away and upset. And all, like, I think it was just a lot of emotions. Yeah. But she wrote up some really cool things about it for me so we could talk about it. And, oh, like, cool. I'd love to hear that. A more informed context instead of just... Uh. yeah because <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about we review movies yeah. and that's about it <laughs> uh so yeah she she watched it and she was able to kind of give some insight onto like what she thinks is maybe weird with this character and why stuff like this is overall you know it's it's harmful unfortunately um i i think it's both hilarious and harmful again it's separating the idea of 
watching John Travolta ride around on a motorcycle that looks a little too small for him. Well, for, it's a moped, yeah. It's a moped, okay, yeah. <laughs> versus like weird portrayals of autism. That's mm-hmm. the troubling part. But she says, you know, right off the bat, like the first line about, oh, I need to poop, he walks in. And that's funny, but she says it's immediately just that stereotype of people with autism are childish. I can't talk too long. I got to poo. I kind of just want to read what she messaged Please, me. Yeah. Cause it's really, it's really nice. She wrote like a legit essay. Oh. It runs in the family, I guess. <laughs> so she says a lot of her thoughts are the acting like a kid thing. It's a common and dangerous misconception about people with autism or similar disorders. Some examples in the movie are the poop line. When he's at the bar, he asks for a milkshake. He constantly wants ice cream. All that money, no ice cream. He didn't know what bolt cutters were and didn't ask what they were, so he brought scissors instead, and he says stuff like, you're not my mom, when he's fighting with Leah, who, who is Leah? We'll Wikip- Wikipedia says Leah is his friend, and I don't believe that. Yep. Uh, Travolta seemed to look up some stereotypical symptoms of autism and just kind of sprinkled them in there instead of an actual character, like the rocking back and forth, lack of eye contact, and the big one, which is his the cause of his stalking is this obsessive behavior, the obsession with a certain topic or extensive knowledge on a topic. That's like a big hallmark of being on the spectrum. Uh, I'm assuming not a hundred percent of the time, but that's yeah. 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 Um, yeah, These these symptoms vary from person to person, but the interest in one subject is not the same as an unhealthy obsession. So that's where she says it's important to draw the line is like an unhealthy obsession is one thing, but a, a really devoted interest in one thing is those are different things. Mm -hmm. And one does not necessarily imply the other. Uh, They kind of blur the lines with delusion and psychotic behaviors, making it seem like autism and psychotic symptoms are intertwined, which is not the case. Oh, so that would probably be when he's imagining uh, Hunter at the tape, the signing table being like, you come here. I want to sign your thing, Moose. She says, although psychotic symptoms are higher in people with autism spectrum disorder than the general population, psychotic symptoms like hallucinations and delusions don't mean that a person will stalk someone and commit serious crimes. So, and they also, and this is, I agree with this just on a filmmaking level. So it's interesting to see how this kind of stood out to someone looking at it from a more, medical or scientific angle versus me looking at it from a storytelling angle moose doesn't really have a clear moral compass like who is moose i don't Mm -hmm. really know what his deal is he has like a few healthy friendships with people that they appear to have okay boundaries like leah or the the guy who works at the souvenir shop that that he talks to in the beginning exactly and he knows that pickpocketing is bad and that drugs are bad but he's easily convinced by Leah to break and enter, and then he uses the same techniques to break into Hunter's house later. And then there's the thing where he doesn't realize he hurt or and then killed the maid. Oh, yeah. But he does realize that he hurt Hunter with the knife. So there's just weird inconsistencies there, like what is his whole deal. Mm-hmm. And she says even the haircut and outfit, which I do think are very funny, uh, they are also they are stereotypical. It's the mm-hmm. idea of someone with autism being really childish. She's even got a backpack with like pins and keychains on it and stuff. Um, Which plenty of people have. Oh, so I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, yeah. <laughs> My side of the office looks like a 10 year old works there and it's fine. <laughs> and then lastly, she says meltdowns are really common for people with ASD or they can be common. I should say 
Um, but Moose's meltdowns that quickly become violent are kind of a it's it's kind of implies that if someone who is having a meltdown like that and is on the spectrum has the potential to become violent, which is again not those things are not correlated. So those are just some things she said as as a professional. And again, it's not saying, Oh, we're so offended by but it's just I asked her to look and, you know, tell me what's going on here and what do you think is like what do you think about this character? And so yeah. that's her a professional's opinion on Moose. So and she really thinks that she Googled ASD symptoms and she thinks John Travolta just did the same thing and read all the behaviors. And that's his character. Because <laughs> when you Google, she even sent me a screen cap. Uh, behavior, compulsive behavior, impulsivity, inappropriate social interaction, repetition of words or actions, poor eye contact, repetitive movements or self-harm, uh, speech delay, interest in a limited number of things, anxiety, a change in a voice sensitivity to sound or just ticks in general so it does feel like a very surface level this is this movie is not interested in exploring that aspect yeah or humanely i'm sitting so i'm just uh i just have thoughts going through my head because i feel like adhering to at least those specific symptoms is you know uh specifying a disorder for this character to have Mm -hmm. And is that better or worse than a movie that may have come out 20, 30 years ago where, like Kathy Bates in Misery, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. But as far as I remember, it's not so much a specific disorder as it is, she's a crazy lady. Sure. And I feel like in decades past, 90s and and earlier, there was more of a tendency to just have generalized craziness going on instead of like being like oh this person uh has like bipolar or antisocial or like narcissist instead of honing in on something it's just they're crazy so is it better or worse to have a character who is perhaps more uh i i hesitate to say realistic but something that's done a bit more specifically rather than like oh let's just make him a crazy weird person yeah and i can't I don't know I ha- if that's I, I genuinely or worse. don't know how to answer that. I because not it's the person to answer it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, I wonder, even if it's more realistic in a way, is it also more harmful? Because then you have a character that more closely resembles real life people who, on average and overwhelmingly, will not be dangerous or violent like this character right we talked about that in our transgender representation episode again using the example of movies that we love it's it is unfortunate when the only kind of representation on film we have of transgender people are ones that are villainous or that they are psychotic and that seeing you know demonstrating that those things are intertwined and that someone who is transgender is more prone to snap or is you know, capable of murder or crime. And so it's, I don't know. I, I, I see both sides of that. Is it, is it better or worse to have a more defined character like this? Because it's unfortunate when this is the portrayal of that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah. All I know is that it does feel, it feels mean to me. It is. Yeah. Uh, I. This movie kind of hates everyone in it. It's weird. It's, yeah, it's kind of a Hunter isn't character. great either. That's the thing is, yeah. No one in this movie's good. I don't, there's no one I'm kind of 
rooting for, feeling for. I can't tell if I'm supposed to feel bad for Moose or if I'm supposed to like him. That's the thing is I really can't tell. I have no idea. And that would, I don't know what the intent is. And I would love to know if this is, I'm writing this weird guy because this is how, you know, I've met people like this and they're weird and scary versus, yeah, sure, there's fans out there that are obsessive, but... I'm going to give him some human. I, I don't know. I don't. I, <laughs> this is a tough one, it's folks. It's tough. I, this, I wanted this to be more fun to talk about. Yeah. And it's just kind of not. there Because there's so much on, you know, loaded into this that I, I don't know. it's how especially to... hard as, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to inflate anything. But like, as people with fans, it's, all, it's also especially hard because I don't want to, I don't know. No, I, I see what you mean. You know, we we have fans. Yeah. And so a movie about an obsessive fan who is the villain of the movie seems weird to comment on. I guess, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But I also, it, I am really lucky to come from a background where I do have family who work with people on the spectrum yeah. and so i have a better understanding and of I what that entails i have and a degree in uh brain yeah. behavior and cognitive so science this so i've studied not, disorders so, so we like very clearly recognize when meeting people that this does not mean someone is dangerous yeah if you're a fan and you happen to be on the spectrum or you have whatever you have going on don't think that because we might get into this review and start laughing at some things don't feel afraid to to, talk to to talk to us yeah we're not afraid of you no yeah (laughs) it's all good man i always yeah i (laughs) love i i always love meeting people i am always it's always the best i always feel really good after Mm -hmm. i'm never yeah you guys are all really great. Yeah, I've never sweet. felt scared or anything like that. Yeah, so know? like never feel nervous about. Don't think to we're us. taking the wrong things away right. from this movie. If you have, if if social cues or you know, if you have difficulty in situations like that, we we understand. Yeah. Um, but I I also want to be able to laugh at this absolutely <laughs> but fuck crazy movie. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's it's it's. I think I think we should start. Yeah, because I think I, there's nothing else to say we other did, than we did the serious stuff. And by the way, my uh, I tweeted about this, but I am because it's been so requested. I am going to work on an episode of the podcast about um, like mental disorders in horror because it, the tropes are so there's I wonder so if you many. Could get it ready in time for your sister's visit and have her on it. <sighs> maybe. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. I don't want to put any pressure. Well, on you. Yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Okay. I'm not no guarantees, but mm-hmm. that would be very cool. So that one and queer representation are gonna be two big ones for next year for yeah. sure. Yeah. Thumbs up. All right. Let's let's talk about the movie itself, having had the the intellectual discussion about <laughs> it that it maybe deserves. Uh now we can I think we've 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 laid a foundation of Showing that we understand what's bad about this. Yeah, and, <laughs> and uh, what's... whenever we mentioned like John Travolta did this, that's also uh, because he is a co-producer. Yeah. Like he's not just acting in this movie. This movie was made by Fred Durst and John Travolta. Yeah, uh, Which... I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did that happen? How did that happen? I want to know, audience. Please do this legwork for me if you can. Have, were, were there any movies 
where uh, John Travolta starred in that used Limp Bizkit music. I want to know this. I do want to know the... I mean, there is... I'm sad I didn't do this before we started recording, but aren't there websites that'll do the degrees away from... Sure. You know, they're just like an... I'm I don't know if that applies to the, like, if it would find Fred Durst if a soundtrack listing had Limp Bizkit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Also, a thought that I had during this was, did John Travolta know who Devin Sawa was before this movie was made? We did not... That he did. We had a, a quick discussion about it, and I don't know. Because Pulp Fiction is 94. That is adult ass John Travolta, yes. second, re- like the second coming of John Oscar, Travolta. Oscar, like that, that movie was huge. Ni- when is Casper? 95? Casper's early 90s, I thought. 95 or earlier. So Pulp but Fiction. But also John- a kid movie. Exactly. Know? Pulp Fiction, John Travolta's probably not watching Casper. Right. Final I don't- Destinations 2000, John Travolta adult 2000. Adult John Travolta is not. Probably not watching I cannot Final think of a single moment in John Travolta's <laughs> life where. He would, you know, yeah. so there's, it's possible he had no idea who Devin Sawa was. Maybe he was into Eminem. Maybe. Maybe. Hey, want to talk about our sponsor this week, Liquid Dead. Liquid Dead. You just ordered another case, right? Yeah, because we got table TLC tables, ladders, and chairs coming up this weekend. All the wrestling pay-per-view parties I have now. I order liquid death. Yeah, so I mean, I guess full transparency, we were given a case to to try out and then we just kept getting them because they're great when we have people over. They're great uh, when you have a party and, you know, people like their individual drinks. Yeah, and you don't have enough glasses Mm -hmm. or, you know. Yeah, it's it's really convenient and it helps people drink water, which is important. Definitely better than a plastic water bottle. I would never do ads for plastic water bottles on this podcast. I find them weird. I don't like the idea of advertising for them because they're so wasteful. Luckily, aluminum cans are a lot easier to recycle than plastic. Apparently, all the aluminum produced since 1888, 75% of it's in current use, which is crazy. Yeah, it's like so much more recyclable than plastic, which just kind of sits there. And I didn't know this. I'm just I'm reading our notes here. I guess that environmental economists are saying that it's better for the earth to just put your plastic in the garbage so it goes straight to a landfill instead of using up the trucking distance it takes to bring it to like a recycling plant and then the landfill. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. And they also, Liquid Death also donates five cents from every can sold to help clean up plastic pollution and bring clean drinking water to those in need. Oh, that's good. So if you want to try Liquid Death, it's only available in a handful of stores, so you have to order it online, which I actually find really convenient. Uh, Go to liquiddeath.com slash deadmeat. You can get $2 $2 off every case at liquiddeath.com slash deadmeat or if you want a free case <laughs> quote unquote free there is the option on the website to sell your soul for a free case of liquid death yeah you do sign a contract it's binding for eternity yeah if you've already sold your soul elsewhere don't be trying this yeah that's fraud it is fraud <laughs> <laughs> so again, go to liquiddeath.com slash deadmeat. $2 off every case. Yeah! Yeah! I also wonder, by the way, uh, was there ever a conversation about Eminem? Because Fred Durst did not get along with Eminem. No, that was a whole thing. They had a few. That was the at the VMAs and shit. Yeah. So Devin Sawa in Eminem's music video, Fred Durst directing Devin Sawa, I wonder if he was like, yeah, this is way better than that Stan music video, right? And it's right? weird because it's putting Devin Sawa in the Eminem role 
in the stand video. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, as opposed to John Travolta, I believe that Devin Sawa just acted in this. I didn't see his name in any No, he, of- this, he got paid. Good for him. I'm very happy for him. He looks good in it come on i was thinking you know how at our our wedding venue we're gonna get two custom cocktails and typically you get a cocktail for each of the two people getting married i think instead we'll just have ours be chocolate starfish and then hot dog flavored water oh my god that's so gross and then i chocolate starfish could be like a like a dessert style shooter you know yeah and then the, the I, I've thought about this. Okay. You can t- and then hot dog flavored water would be like like bacon or like ham infused no. alcohol. Oh man. I bet Gressel could make drinks that have those names that are delicious. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah. But things to think about. We'll have a lip biscuit bachelor bachelorette party. Oh <laughs> we'll go see Limp Biscuit. Do they okay. still perform? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. He's busy making movies. Yeah. With art made by Wes Borland. Well, the it was also another guy. I wish I wrote his name down. Uh, there was another guy credited with the those like weird chalk drawing sequences. I yeah. think he did the actual drawings of them. Oh. I think maybe Wes Borland was like the creative. Like this is what it should be. Like. Oh, okay. So I think it was a team effort. I don't want to. Yeah, if you're unfamiliar, I think it's like Adam Lima or something. If you're not as into the biscuit world as I was, look up Wes Borland. He was the bassist for Limp Biscuit. When the band started, he was just a guy with some piercings and like spiky hair, and he was like, "Oh, that guy's kind of weird." And then he started wearing all black contacts, so his <laughs> eyes would be blacked out, and then they just exploded. The guy looks like an alien, and it's awesome. I think there's posters of him in Moose's apartment. Because yeah. he's scary looking and Moose is a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very like. Why did everyone like turn to the millennium like 2000? Thinking Marilyn Manson. That Slipknot like. Oh yeah. Core, everyone looked all weird. Everyone was scary looking. Dude. I mean. Yeah, I kind of What miss, the fuck else are you going to do in the late 90s? I know. It's the most what boring What a black time. hole of culture. But I also <laughs> kind of miss just the weird shit we were doing as we're just grasping at anything <laughs> to make it interesting and that's what happened insane clown posse you know like what yeah. the fuck i yeah, kind yeah. i i like it i get nostalgic <laughs> for it and i shouldn't uh so okay <laughs> all right so moose lives in hollywood he fucking works in <gasps> hollywood at hollywood and highland right across the street from jimmy kimmel live yeah chelsea it's worked for a few so years. weird because a lot of this movie is on hollywood boulevard where like right where I worked and yeah there are character actors all over Hollywood Boulevard it's Mm -hmm. the same you see it in New York City you see it anywhere that's like a major tourist city basically like take a picture with them you should you either have to tip them or whatever um some of them are nicer than others actually one of the uh like the character actor on Hollywood Boulevard actually just passed away. He was Hollywood Boulevard Superman. Oh. Everyone actually really loved him. He was always really sweet. Besides that, a lot of them are kind of scary. Hollywood SpongeBob is really scary and dirty. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all kind of dirty. They're all a little dirty. Even it's, the nicest ones. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so there's character actors. And John Travolta <laughs> is, he's, he's a, British a British Bobby. Cop. Yeah, he's just a Bobby. And I, it's, it is kind of hilarious how... Typically, there would be so many more copyrighted characters running around Hollywood yeah. Boulevard, but this is just 
British Bobby or guy who sticks nails in his nose while his friend pickpockets other people. Mm -hmm. It's a good grift, I guess. There's only so many times you can pull that, though. Yeah. Only so many times you can. Because there are undercover cops there. There's, Dude, that's another another (laughs) Hollywood secret from me. Thing about Hollywood Boulevard, there are plainclothes cops everywhere. Like, I went to work one day and... Everyone was like, dude, you just missed it. Someone got stabbed. And out of nowhere, people saw it happen. I guess someone pulled out a knife and someone stabbed a guy. And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, just plainclothes cops just like rush in and get... They they said it was the craziest shit. And I'm... Hollywood Boulevard, man. It's the Wild West down there. I miss it. I miss the grossness of it. I do. Really? I don't miss the urine smell. No, it smells pretty bad. It smells like pee always. That is, if you've never been to LA, that is where the Walk of Fame is, all the stars. It's where the Oscars are. It's where the Oscars are. Yeah, that guy got stabbed like right there. Yeah, because we lived in Hollywood a few blocks away from that, but like I would go for runs. This was like six years ago, and I would run through. Like the the Walk of Fame, and it just smelled like pee. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yep. Uh, so that's what he does for work, I guess. He has a friend. And this is, he, his British accent. Oh, it's real bad. Oh, poppycock. Have you seen the queen? And he's got a crazy Mordecai mustache yeah. on and a <laughs> little hat. Welcome to Hollywood, where crimes are made of. People are letting their kids take pictures with them. I saw one guy. (laughs) That's true. Is that one dude living on the edge? (laughs) Yeah, he, uh, his friend, Leah, so she's a paparazzo. Yes. Anytime I get to use that word singular, I I will. You know, I will say in terms of like respect, I have character actors on Hollywood Boulevard so much higher up than paparazzi. Paparazzi, I guess. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, so she just takes pictures of other people and invades privacy for a living. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, the the actor doing it, she's, she's good. good. She's solid. I, I will say everyone's kind of doing, I mean, Travolta's doing his own thing, but He's committed. everyone else is doing a good job in this. Travolta's, Travolta's committed. committed. Yes. yes. Uh, a problem, like possibly problematic depictions aside, Travolta is all in on this fucking role. Yeah. He never breaks character. He's doing the thing. Right. Uh, your opinion of the thing may vary, but yeah. So he's got this friend, but like the one, how's he got this friend? Sister, maybe. That would and make more sense. She's taking care of him makes way more sense yep. than just because even it's friend. like you're not my mom. When they get into an argument, that would make sense to say to your sister who's trying to mother yeah, you. Yeah, I just don't know what world this character would be living with i think john travolta's character are they living together are they here here's the thing i took devin sawa's advice to heart and i was three beers deep by the end of this movie because it was so difficult to watch otherwise we literally watched it basically in 30 minute chunks because we would watch some and then i would need to go get another beer and pause it movie makes time slow (laughs) down yes Uh, yeah so, so i don't know how leah came into Moose's world, how they're friends. Yeah, and she's also narrating the movie. That's fucking right. We have this opening narration of Los Angeles, the city of bullshitters, and I'm just, oh boy, here we go. I don't know why she's narrating this thing. I don't thing. either. It's so it do- We don't last, need it. It feels like a last-minute decision. I day. think it might have been. I think, I think they edited this and watched it and realized we need a narrator because... 
it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, Maybe to explain some things or to make it feel more artsy. I don't know. But she helps him break into this fucking party. Yes. That Hunter Dunbar is supposed to be at. Yeah. With And he is, is he wearing the Rico vest at that point? There's the whole scene in a comic book shop where John Travolta (laughs) goes and he buys a screen used vest that Hunter Dunbar wore in this vampire movie playing a character named Rico. Yeah. So it's like studded Rico. He wears it backwards. He looks like a rejected member of the shield. Yeah. And even the guy who sells it to him even says, you have it on backward. And he says, I don't care. And it's, I think, because he wants to just have Rico. And then there's yeah. a whole montage of him riding around Hollywood on his moped. And Leah helps him break into this party. Uh, this is when he brings scissors instead of bolt cutters. Yes. And to this party, he wears his best horror shirt is what he calls it. Oh, I think yeah, this was a right. custom made horror shirt. It's just got, it looks like a, it looks like a John Lasseter shirt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> Uh, you could buy this shirt at a horror convention for sure. It's just got old horror, you know, posters on it. He's in this like gala event where everyone else is dressed up, but still, you know, in Hollywood, you could probably get away walking around like him at this party. Absolutely. If, if, Someone looking exactly like John Travolta in this was at an industry thing and someone else was like, oh, that's the head of Blah Blah Studios. I would believe you 100%. Yeah. Yeah, because you hit that level of in the hierarchy and you can dress however you Whatever want. Whatever the fuck you want to do, man. John Lasseter. He sees another actor, I guess. At first, I was like, oh, is that Hunter's wife? The movie's not very good at explaining who people are, so I guess it's just a random actor, but uh, her name's Amanda, and he goes up and it's uh, very uncomfortable with her, but he says she's a great final girl. Yeah. And uh, is like, you should keep doing horror movies. And then eventually asks where Hunter Dunbar is, but apparently he's not going to be at that party that night. Yeah. And that sets him off. Yeah, he gets mad and then gets kicked out. While yelling for Leah. And then, so like, when he when they're breaking into the party, he's climbing over a wall or a fence or whatever. And she's like, okay, get in there and just get that autograph and get out of there. And so he goes in. We see him throughout. Now, you said you saw Leah in the background. Yeah, I saw her, about. yeah. But her line doesn't make sense. And then when he's being pulled out, he's like, Leah, he's calling for her. And there's just this awkward shot of her at the party by her. Like, just be like, who knew? I think she was invited, which I don't know why she would be. Oh, yeah. Paparazzi. Yeah. Would not be fucking. No. This fucking movie. This movie. His apartment, too, by the way. I kind of love the set decoration here. I wrote down that it looks like the Fangoria office. Oh, yeah, it does. Because <laughs> there's horror stuff everywhere. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the height of their interaction with each other, their clever interaction, is doing uh, different ways of giving the other person the finger. Stuff that you would learn when you're like eight, where it's like blowing and... <sighs> Or yeah, like the, do the cranking fishing, the yeah, yeah yeah jack in the box Very finger. Cool. Super funny. This is where I wrote siblings question mark because we <laughs> don't have it established or nope. clarified what their relationship is. I kind of wish it was never clarified. I kind of <laughs> like the mystery of it. So he finds out that Hunter is doing a book signing, so he's going to go and finally meet Hunter and get his vest signed mm-hmm. and book signed and. Hunter, I think he gets to the front and Hunter then has to take a break because his ex-wife just pulled up and back with their kid. Who and he's supposed to watch. There's a, by the way, I've totally forgot to look and 
Oh, to clarify. see what the actual name What was. is the kid's name? Because okay, I, I am going to look. Danny. I think it's Danny, too. Later but on, then they who land on Danny. But earlier, they mentioned a guy named Tanner. They men- Someone mentions the name Tanner at some point. And I wrote it down. His son, Tanner. Check. I'm good. Maybe you could remember that I have a date tonight. And you said you would watch Tanner. No. Why? Yeah, <laughs> and we... Because we watched this with a friend of ours, and all three of us thought his son's name was Tanner. But then, oh, wait, no, his son's name is Danny. It's Danny. Danny Tanner? Yeah. I don't know what's going on. My best guess, without looking it up, because I don't fucking care, my best guess is that Tanner is his ex-wife's new partner. That's what I think it is. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're going to go with. Then. Yeah. But I definitely wrote down that Tanner was his son, and that was wrong. By the way, the script of this movie is so off the wall that I wrote down the quote, you don't respect the boulevard, and I don't remember who says it. It's because- Is it Hunter, or is it Moose? Moose says it to the guy who is grifting the people on the boulevard by having his partner pickpocket them while he puts a nail through his nose. It's because that note is, I have it written down right by that scene where Hunter's Mm ex-wife shows up, and I thought- does he say that to her because she pulled up to argue custody with him? Like, you don't do this here. Yeah, you're not respecting the boulevard. Oh, yeah, because the signing is at that souvenir shop or whatever on Hollywood Boulevard. I call bullshit. No celebrity is going to go to any kind of event at one of those fucking shops on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, I mean, those aren't comic shops either. Those are... Again, you buy your fake Oscars there. Yeah. I think if you went a little farther down Hollywood, then you start getting into the kind of indie, like Meltdown, which doesn't exist anymore. That was on Sunset, I think. Yeah, that's Sunset. Sunset's way different. Sunset's a little different. I don't think... I don't think actors are going to be going to Hollywood for (laughs) anything other than Kimmel and the Oscars. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Okay, so, uh, yeah, Hunter is talking to his ex-wife and kid in, like, the alleyway, and uh, fucking Moose comes up to him and tries to talk to him while he's having this uh, conversation with his ex-wife, this custody conversation. It's really uncomfortable, and, Mm. of course, Hunter's mean to him because he is in the middle of this really awkward conversation, Later, I think there's a scene after this where the paparazzi, Leah, the paparazzi lady, gives Mm -hmm. just foolishly gives Moose access to this Star Maps app. Yeah, that shows where people live. And later she's like, I didn't expect you to use it to go to his house. So what what? the fuck did did you think? Just to kind of look at aerial shots of his house longingly. I guess, because when he calls her after he first uses it, he's like, I can't believe I'm uh, 15 minutes away from whoever, because he's talking about Ben Affleck, James Franco, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm saying that James Franco name drop, all I could think of was that in 10 years, there's going to be a movie about the making of this movie and James Franco will play John Travolta and he will be create this scene where he says i i found james franco's house it's gonna happen put a pin in it (laughs) he's gonna win oscars somehow still we're letting him be a thing yeah and one of the things that uh moose really latches on to is that at some point hunter has said in the past about fans without you we're nothing Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what he... It's actually the quote that opens up this Oh, movie, yeah, we remember? need to talk about that. <laughs> the very first thing in this movie is a quote, and I wrote it down. It's... it's. Oh, man. And they say it a bunch. It says, you are a fan. Without you, I am nothing. 
Hunter Dunbar. Uh, and so we're like, oh, I wrote down Hunter Dunbar. Like, look up who that is later. I want to know who that quote's from. Oh, and then I song. realized, <laughs> oh, it's the main character. Yeah. That is a quote from the main character in this film. I can't think of many other movies that do that. I think there are some, and I wish that I could remember but it. But I feel like they're good movies. Yeah, they're if usually you're, good. If you're, if you're making a really good movie, then you're allowed to do that, I guess. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, yeah, he goes to Hunter's house, and Hunter's coming back from a jog with his kid, and uh, this is the scene that was in all the trailers, because they're right outside his, like, gate, and mm-hmm. it's a tense scene. Yeah, and it it almost looked... I don't know why we all thought he stabbed him, that Hunter stabs Moose. I think it's meant it's to meant evoke to, a stabbing. It is, it, because, the sound and the motion mm-hmm, and everything. Because he takes the pen from Moose, and it's like, oh, you want an autograph? And like he signs his chest very aggressively. Yeah, so he signs Hunter across his shirt, and then, oh boy, Moose is not happy about that. And it all I could think of was that episode of Hey Arnold that has this exact same plot. Oh, man, we forgot to watch it. I know, that. we forgot to watch it. Does it more sensitively than this. <laughs> Who's the character? Eugene? Eugene, yeah. Okay. He goes goes bad. That's the episode Oh, that's title. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then there's like that security guard who is just Hollywood Boulevard security guard. And he- uh... Yeah, because they all use this shared Hollywood Boulevard bathroom, which looks way too clean to be a Hollywood Boulevard bathroom. Yeah, but I don't the... know where that bathroom is at. The pickpocketing performers on the- bu- The ones who don't respect the boulevard, they keep teasing Moose. And so the security guard- Gives him this pep talk. Yeah, he's like, of... I, need, I want you to stand up for yourself. Yeah. he's He is just this weird- convenient friend that shows up i guess you could say okay i'm just thinking this aloud uh in the first scene he finds him moose getting picked on he's like i wish you would stand up for yourself and then later moose gets physically confrontational when he's teased again with that guy right and he attacks him yeah and he finds the security or the security guard walks up to him and moose is like no i don't want to get in trouble and the security guard's like no i'm proud of you for sticking up for yourself so that may be motivation for moose to step it up in uh actually going to hunter's house yeah this is also around when we find out that hunter dunbar has had sexual relations with his maid yeah i'm assuming it's what led to the divorce because yeah hunter's a weird character because we you have, like him because he's Devin. So. Well, yeah. Maybe that's why we had a hard time with it. We're just inclined to like him. But so we see that he's having a unprofessional relationship with his maid who, by the way, gets killed. And then like we don't. Well, I guess the end. The we, very end is when it's brought back up. Yeah. I, I would say. Yeah. I. Uh, uh, I'll back it up a bit because the maid. See, I'm sorry. Her name is Dora. She has a name, which I think is also the name of one of the maids in Ready or Not, come to think of it. Dora. Yeah, but uh, I guess that's what you just name your maid. But she sees Moose uh, prowling around the backyard, and she scares him away. And then Hunter comes home. Yes, and she says, Hunter, there was a weird dude in your backyard. And keep in mind, this is after the scene where Moose shows up at Hunter's house, and Hunter has a freak out. So Hunter doesn't put two and two together. Oh, that guy was probably my backyard. He just is... 
yeah. super casual about it. And he's like, are you sure it wasn't the gardener? Yeah, he dismisses her. It's so out of character. It's so weird. Yeah, it's so like dumbly written that he would be like, no, you're full of shit, maid. It's, Come make out with me. Yeah, so instead, when he sees she's actually upset, he like hugs her and then starts like going to make out with her. And she's like, I don't think we can do this anymore, yeah. which leads me to believe it was the cause of the divorce. This movie jumps back and forth a lot, too, by the way. So I'm sorry if it feels like we're jumping all over the place. But at one point, he, or Moose rather, has a confrontation with the two kind of grifters on Hollywood Boulevard who pickpocket people who are named, I forget what the main guy's name is, but Slim is... Mm-hmm is Bill Paxton's kid. Which is why at the very end of the credits... There's a dedicated to Bill Paxton, which we didn't realize that was his kid and so caught us completely off guard and was just... Just a weird little cherry on top at first, but that... Okay, it makes sense now that his kid is in it. But he... I wrote this quote down because it's maybe my favorite line. He tells the main bully, quote... I wish Freddy Krueger would come and chop off your head! Yeah, at this point I wrote that this is... It's taking so long. So many scenes are just moose. And it's just not interesting. It's like, boring. That's That's the kind of... One of the most unfortunate things about this is it's not even fun bad. It's just really boring. Because all the scenes, the dialogue is just so fucking basic and poorly written and just like first draft dialogue that any scene with characters talking is just sucks. Yeah, it it's, it's a bummer because I think there is a version of this that is interesting and campy and fun. It 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 bugs me. I just I just see I see the little nuggets of potential <laughs> hidden in here, but it just doesn't quite do it. Yeah. So Moose comes back to his house. He, and he actually breaks in this time. Yeah. And the maid comes out again, and Dora comes out again, and he pushes her, and she cracks her head open on a fountain and dies. Yeah. And this is the scene where he looks, and her nose is bleeding because she um is dead <laughs> after a. Very large head wound, and this is he's like, Oh, oh, nosebleed, that's bad. Uh, I got a nosebleed one time. To, you, it's very to fix like he it, doesn't gotta... realize that she's dead, and then we kind of forget about her until the very end. Yep. And it really bothers me mm-hmm. that Devin Sawa, for seemingly days, does not realize there's a dead body in his yard. Yeah, it's not even like it's just in the fucking backyard, dude. You can probably see yeah, it from the window, right? Exactly. Fuck? Yeah, when he's making breakfast, he would see, <laughs> or when he realizes. No one's making my breakfast. <laughs> then he would notice. Yeah. So Moose is walking around. He he opens the fridge and finds. Yeah, he goes into the house. I just feel like we never, this never really paid off either. He finds this weed butter, question mark. Is it though? I don't know what it is. I don't know. Is. It's something that he's eating, but he's. It he looks laments. like weed butter or he, like, uh, what's that stuff we always get from? It's like the, uh, the oil dip. No, not Vegemite. The oil dip from Lala's. Oh, 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 uh, uh, chimichurri sauce. Yes, it looks like chimichurri sauce. A little bit. But he's eating that. He's lamenting that the poor son, Danny, doesn't have any no, ice cream, ice cream in, the freezer. in the freezer. Which, fair, that's upsetting. Sure. Any freezer without ice cream is a sad freezer. But yeah, Moose is going through all of uh, Devin's his pills, his toothbrush. his toothbrush. He uses his toothbrush. He watches his camcorder. Yeah, he eats this weed butter in the fridge. And all I could think of was that stuff from Mandy. That oh, gray God. stuff that Nick Cage eats and then everything turns into like claymation and people's faces <laughs> are melting off. 
Uh, where, what does he do when Devin comes home with his son? He just hides under the bed. Hides under the bed. He okay, hides under his, his son's bed, which is weirder. Yeah. And oh, also the kid, this is another Final Destination 2 type situation where the kid is being yes! treated as a much younger How old is the kid character supposed to be? than the actor's I wrote age. down, what is he? Yes, he has, he, he's, so Devin is tucking his kid into bed and he's like, now remember, mom says you gotta brush your teeth twice a day. You gotta, you gotta do it twice a day. He's like micro. you're like 13. He's like micromanaging his kids. Yes. Teeth brushing and everything. And even at the part where his ex pulls up with the kid in the bag, before you see that it's his kid in the back, he looks into the car and says, hey, buddy. And I thought there was going to be a dog in the back <laughs> or a puppy. And no, it's a 13 year old. <laughs> Devin, then we see him. He's, he's fallen asleep in his dad chair. <sighs> dad chair, dude. Man. You don't come back from that. No, you don't. Once you hit a certain age and you fall asleep in your dad chair and the TV's on, that's it. That's you're, it, dude. You're not coming back from that brink. That's that's, that's the rest of your life. That's a hallmark of, of being a dad is you have your chair. My dad's had the same dad chair since probably before I was born. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's fucking gross. Yes. It reclines. Not your dad's chair specifically. But in general. No, in general. all dad chairs are yeah. disgusting. And you fall asleep in it, reclined with the TV on. With the on, TV on, always. And, and that's it. You're never going to be a not it's that person so again. It's so tragic. Mm-hmm. So this is when Moose comes in and he kisses him on the forehead. <laughs> and like takes a selfie with him, which we find out later he, he posts takes a online. He selfie and drops the phone out to <laughs> But Devin's a deep sleeper. He I guess so. Up. I bet he drank a few whiskeys or something before going to sleep. Oh, and isn't on the TV Night of the Living Dead? Of course, yeah. Uh, and then that's when Moose domain. has a flashback to his childhood watching. He's watching Night of the Living Dead as a kid. Oh, okay. And it's, of course, Night of the Living Dead is always on TV and horror films or just films in general because it was public domain for so long. Mm-hmm. It is funny that this character is such a horror buff, but his references to horror are so not, I want to say basic, but just, you know, what you would expect. Like Freddy Krueger. He mentions Maniac, like I said. I guess Maniac's a bit me, more yeah. obscure. Although he said the remake was overrated. I haven't seen it. I know people like I've it. I've heard very, I've heard good things. But maybe it is overrated. Is that the Elijah Wood one? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So the next day, Moose gets away with this. He basically spends the night in his house and doesn't get caught. So Devin is driving around with his kid. And Devin Sawa puts on Limp Biscuit and says, this is the good shit. And they just drive around and listen to Limp Biscuit for a bit. And it's some song called The Truth, which, sorry, Fred, I don't fucking know what that is. That's not Gilded Age Biscuit. But I love the idea of... Hunter Dunbar being a deep cuts yeah, Limp right. Bizkit fan. Like, what the fuck? He's stuck with them. Like he, yeah. dude, I wonder, whoa, this is, see, this is the turn. This is the script I want. Like, okay, we have Moose who is stalking Hunter. I want Hunter to be stalking, stalking Fred, Fred Durst. Durst. And yes. then it turns into like an adaptation style, like a, a fucking Charlie Kaufman meta script. Oh man, that'd be so cool. And he's stalking him to be put in the movie that Fred Durst is, is making, making called about The Fanatic. The, yes. Fuck. Yeah, that's when it turns into a Charlie Kaufman movie. Char- oh. Let's get Charlie on the phone. I don't know what he's doing right now, but that's the movie I want so bad. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah. That's that's such a fun script. Yeah. Because the idea of a really obsessive Linkin Park, or not Linkin Park, <laughs> Limp Bizkit. They both start with L-I. Sure. Limp Bizkit fan is the best shit ever yeah yeah uh okay so what he's driving he's does he see 
uh, moose again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's standing. There's a uh, there's a moose in the road. He's literally <laughs> standing there, and he has to stop, and he, he yells at him, and moose is sad, and this is when I think moose actually starts burning his hunter dumb. I think he burns the Rico vest. It probably smells terrible. Oh yeah, burning that leather vest. Yeah, he burns it all. He complains that Leah is no longer his his BBF. What the fuck is we that? We were trying to figure out what that stood for. Best bosom friend. Yeah, know. big beautiful friend. That's <laughs> what Carrie said. <laughs> Which I think is the best. But I thought maybe best buddy forever. Mm-hmm. And then, <laughs> like big beautiful friend, though. I'm I missed out on. No, Devin's- I think it just I think it cuts. I think it literally. We see that um, Devin is or not Devin. We see that Moose is getting ready to do something, and then I think it kind of cuts, and then Devin is like tied up. Oh, okay. So what happens is that I think there really is like a jump, and then Hunter is tied up in his bed. It's very misery style, like he's tied up like James Conn. Yeah, it's movie. very. This is the misery. I'm shocked. This was a pause. For another beer and oh fuck, a whole nother half act hours three left. Yeah. Misery reference. We literally part. paused it at thirty and at sixty yeah. minutes inadvertently. You know what? I mean, maybe that's maybe it is a credit you know credit to the script. Film. We knew subconsciously when the ends of Act One and Two were. That's right. I will give them credit for that. <laughs> we didn't even have to think about it. Right. So maybe if you're if you're in a screenwriting class, because that's always one of the first assignments you got to do is you got to mm. break down like the beats. Take a look at this one because it might be easy. Yeah. yeah. I already gave you the thing with the security guard, his purpose, mm-hmm. that beat. Yeah. yeah, there you go. All right. So, and then, so when when Devin wakes up, he sees Moose on the floor and it looks like Moose is bleeding out, but oh, yeah. then it's, it also is a scream all thing. It just reminded me of, Oh, corn syrup because it's oh, fake blood and but stuff. But he gets and up and he says, you've been jigsawed. Yeah, Game over. That's an, okay, that's another very good quote. You've been jigsawed. Game over. And I feel like I say that in my life at you sometimes, mm-hmm. or at least just the game over part because yeah. it's my favorite. And then he's coming in as Jason, dressed up as Jason and scaring him. He's uh, Then he makes a Mr. Blonde reference. That's right. He's like stuck in the middle. And he brought over a bunch of gasoline and is pouring it on. Yeah. Devin saw one is going to light him up. And this is, it's fun. I, I like that he's also a film buff. You know, <laughs> he likes Reservoir Dogs too. I hope Quentin saw this. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he didn't. You know. Uh, <laughs> So to try to get out of it, Devin is offering to like sign his stuff. I just, why wasn't this movie, again, just other ideas, just other things we could be doing. And Mm -hmm. as much as I love having Devin Sawa in this, why isn't it John Travolta stalking John Travolta? Oh, because that's too hard. From a production standpoint. You know what? That's more days you got to pay. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's a lot of work. But also, again, Charlie Kaufman. Write that script. <laughs> uh, Leah is still narrating these scenes. I don't know why. Yes. For, for a second, too, I thought that uh, we were going to have a head in a bag moment. He was going to say, you've been sevened because <laughs> yeah. Devin's asking what's in the bag. But it was gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. And then. And that's when out of desperation, Devin Sawa says, you're a fan and I'm nothing without you. And oh, Moose yeah. makes him repeat that. A few times. This is after, uh, I think it's after when he's like, you're, I, I, you don't even know anything about horror movies, which I'm sure plenty of horror actors get all the time. Yes. Because like, you know, if you're an actor, even if you're a horror actor who goes to conventions, you're still doing a job. 
you're not necessarily a, a giant horror, horror fan. fan. Right, yeah. But I'm sure that upsets some horror fans who are like, Bruce Campbell, you don't even know uh, fucking Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. It's like, no, Bruce Campbell's got a life. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he has other interests and that's fine. Yeah. And then he also says he's not uh, being a good dad because he doesn't keep ice cream in the freezer and he says, uh, he's, this is my favorite advice for advice for parenting from Moose, which I agree with. You got to get your kids some good tasting treats and horror pictures. Yep. Is that what he says? And Signed off from I Chelsea and James. I think that's pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> there's a very funny line delivery when Devin is saying he'll sign stuff for him. And he's like, so what's your name? Because he hasn't gotten his name this whole time. And John Travolta says Moose. And there's just this great beat. And he's just like, did you say moose? <laughs> <laughs> and so to kind of talk down moose from hurting him, because he does stab him a little bit. I don't like he lightly stabs him, but he does. Oh, yeah. for Because he's reenacting something. Because he's basically pretending to be Jason and then like, oh, yeah, yeah, him yeah, a little yeah. bit with this knife. But to keep this from escalating, Devin says, all right, look, I'm. Let's do an acting exercise together. I'm going to let you yeah. in on kind of how I prep for stuff. So they do a, a visualization acting technique. So uh, it's, I don't know. It's breathing. It's kind of my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, it's fine. Because it gets stylized and it's like this rose tinted. And he's saying, blurry. okay, imagine us being BBFs <laughs> and we get ice cream together. We get strawberry, strawberry ice, cream. ice cream. And so then he's able to really kind of placate moose and get him to calm down i think this this whole uh sequence is some great acting from devin yes he's very good yeah you see the turn in his character as he uh realizes he can't be combative anymore with this character and that he's gonna try a new tact yeah of like buttering him up and like that he really like you can see it in hunter this like Hunter is an actor, so he is acting as though he is a fan, and you can just see just barely below the surface of Hunter's actions this like resentment that he has to do it, but he's keeping the show going well enough to make Moose believe it. Yeah, it's really good, and that's when Moose gets close enough to him that Hunter's able to just headbutt him. Well, he untie uh, Moose unties. Oh, that's him. right, he does because he's like, Look, "We're gonna go get ice cream." And I'm I'll gonna sign, sign all, all kinds. Of, I have all these props. That yeah, I'll sign I, I will for sign you. whatever you want for the rest of your life if you let me go, that's and I won't promise. tell the police. I promise I won't tell the police. Right, he says that he keeps that promise. I guess <sighs> I get. We'll talk <laughs> about that. Uh, but yes, Moose unties him. Yeah. And then he headbutts him. That's when Hunter reaches under the pillow and there's a giant gun under there and he shoots off Moose's hand. Yeah. It's like, so gross. There's decent it's gore in this, I will extremely say. Extremely graphic. It's Did not really gross. This. But now, now you have this autistic character. This is, it's very weird. This and very is very uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Um, I think that this maybe was trying to be edgy. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know what it's doing. And I guess the, I mean, okay. He stabs moose in the eye. Well, that, yeah. So, uh, you have this, this maimed moose. His hand has been shot off. He is screaming. He is bleeding. He is trying to run away from Hunter, who is now untied entirely. But Hunter won't let him go. He takes him down to the ground, takes out a knife, and with flourish, stabs him in the face. Yeah. Literally, like, 
hardcore. It's so gross. The thing that I will give it credit for is his immediate reaction. He, that's when he realizes, oh, this is happening in my house. Yeah. It's because, yeah. like, like, we've seen movies where, where this happens, and it's like, you know assuming the person being stabbed isn't autistic and there aren't those problems associated with it. You're like, yeah, get him, get this vengeance. Right. And you root him on. But the second that knife goes into Moose's face, somehow not hitting his brain, I guess, uh, you Hunter realizes, oh, fuck, I just stabbed a guy in the yeah. face. You've been Halloween. <laughs> Even Michael Myers. So it's more great stuff from Devin. Yeah. That, that immediate like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And he gets up and he he bandages up Moose's hand. I'd probably go for the face. I would go for the face, the the giant gushing face wound mm-hmm, first. But mm-hmm. and again, that's the just gore me. is intense. Yeah, there's good gore in this. Uh, and helps him up and leads him out of the house. And that's when the cops show up. Well, yeah, Moose gets away enough. Mm-hmm. Moose is gone from the property. Yeah, and then the narration from Leo, which. That is there mess, for a yep. reason. She's like, everything was fine for Moose, even though he was fucked up, but Dora was still dead, and that wasn't fine for Hunter. And the cops show up and arrest Hunter. I'm sorry, but no. Yeah. It... What? Okay, so what? Are we meant to believe that when Hunter said, I promise I won't call the cops... That when, then when the cop showed up for the dead maid in his backyard, he kept that promise for no fucking reason. I, I think it, I mean, again, or, I don't know if this script is operating on a higher level. Like, yeah. But I just think. Because the alternative is that he tried to tell them what happened. And he and, got, yeah, that's what I think happened. And, they, he tried, they and they're him. like, all right, dude. But that's bullshit. Because if he, if the cop showed up, for Dora's dead body, and Hunter explained everything that happened, everything that we just saw, the cops could look at the... We didn't see scenes of Moose fucking cleaning up things or, like, fabricating evidence. All the cops would have to do is, like, look around and be like, oh, yeah, that story oh, checks yeah, out. Oh, yeah, there's a third person's blood all over this house. We'll go find the guy with six fingers yeah. and a <laughs> knife wound in his face. And a haircut where the hair doesn't reach his ears. It it is such a bizarre. I I kind of love the hair choice. It my first reaction was it's like a like a character creation hairstyle from a video game, like a wrestling oh, yeah. game. And then it also reminded me of so yesterday we were both looking at articles of cuz I just watched The King, that movie about Henry V, and so we were looking at like old King's Wikipedia articles oh, yeah. and we were laughing at how all the art from like the 13 and 1400s is everyone's just looking weird and that's what his hair reminds. It's like an old king. Yeah. He would look he would fit right in, you know. He looks like a painting. <laughs> <laughs> we both thought that they the cops were gonna shoot Hunter and then we were like, huh, you've been night the living deaded. Oh yeah. That's maybe also you know, because that this is kind of what happens in Night of the Living Dead ish, except Hunter doesn't get shot because he's white. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't think he's a zombie. I don't know, man. That's the movie. That's John the movie. Travolta is Moose is the credits. Yes. Um. There's also one last little chalk drawing. There's like these kind of oh yeah sprinkled throughout chalk They're drawings, and it's of uh Moose is dressed up like an angel pirate. Oh, yeah. He's a pirate going to heaven, but he, dude, I don't know. This movie kind of sucked to talk about. <laughs> I wish it was more fun than it wasn't. 
Dedicated to Bill Paxton. Dedicated to Bill. Yeah, so that's the fanatic. Some people really like this, apparently. Who? I got some responses Show on Twitter. People liking this. Whatever, you can like a movie. Yeah, go for it. That's <laughs> that for this week. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll go s- ahead and do all the social media stuff at Dead Meat James on Twitter yeah. and Instagram. I'm at Carebexy, R-E-B-E-C-C on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want merch, store.com. I think as of this episode, I finally have Be Good People pins Ooh. up on the store. Uh, 100% of profits on those go to Insulin for Life. That's a organization that gets diabetes supplies to people who need them. We ain't taking no money from Be no, Good People. No, that's going to be a hun- Yeah, we're not going to profit up Be Good People. It's weird. Yeah, it's uh, weird. Cool. Yeah. Uh, until next week, I'm James. I'm Chelsea. And this has been the Dead Meat Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>